Alrighty. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the second remote episode of You Never Forget Your First. How's everyone doing? Good. Quarantined. I'm so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine, man. Yeah. Can't play. Anyway, I'm fine. Cool. Sparrow, yeah. how you doing? Yeah, we're well, good. Yeah. No, I'm loving the quarantine. I actually don't want to go back to normal. I just want to be a, re- I want to be a recluse forever and ever. Amen. I'm strange you're getting used to it. Addictive. Yeah. Sparrow is sporting a very impressive tash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> An interesting tash. I'd say it's a sort of 1970s racehorse. Yeah, it's part of my it's part of my zen. You know, Movember's not for another five months. It's Mar- it's March member or member. Yeah, <laughs> you have a dump beer by then. Yeah, exactly. Are we Somehow d- March member doesn't sound Are we bad. Dumbledore. <laughs> like gold member. Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, this is fun. This is fun doing another remote pod. I feel yeah. like uh, the last one went pretty well. It's going to be a thing now. It's going to have to be for a bit. Be, yeah. Until they designate us as essential workers, I think we're uh, we're stuck doing it this way. It's one of the few activities which you can actually still do, though, with other people. Obviously, you can Skype call or, you know, house. Has anyone used House Party yet? Yeah, <laughs> I, I downloaded it yeah. and I've had loads of friends add me, but I haven't actually used it yet. I find it, it sounds so kind confusing. Of funny, but a bit of a, I don't know, just a novelty, just with 20 people on, on one call. I find it Is really it hard to use. It makes me feel it makes me feel like ninety years old because I don't understand what I'm doing. I'll just I'll just be um I'll like click on a notification saying that someone entered a house and suddenly I'm talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a second, they, I didn't they, want entered, you. they entered your house. <laughs> yeah. It's party social. There's definitely a smear campaign going on because there's like loads of rumors about house party being like opening you up to being hacked. And yeah, we, we oh, really. Yeah, we had a work email about that. It's like, be careful using House Party on work phones. Like, <laughs> there's definitely <laughs> like a sort of in, in Zoom HQ. There's like a smear campaign being. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. I've never heard of Zoom or House Party before this whole malarkey. These things are going to be like the new drug cartels of of the 2020s. <laughs> <laughs> so much money coming in. <laughs> I did read that Zoom's share price has tripled really? in the last few weeks. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's so weird to think that people like some some people are just like having an absolute profit field day out of out of this. And it's like fair enough, I guess if you're if you're providing a service that actually is being used. I love that meme where it's like that Scooby Doo meme where it's like let's at least see who's behind the coronavirus. <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be like a third world war and it'll be like, which which software do you choose? <laughs> which side are you on? It'll be like the, the house party gang over there. It's like Gangs of New York. Netflix. <laughs> like Zoom over here. Have you um have you heard this game Psych yet? Have you played it? It's it's weird. It's like you basically have there's a category, so say it's like weird laws, and then basically there'll be a, a, a question like in Arting, Nebraska, yeah, it's illegal to dot 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 dot. And then you have to write something that you think is believable. And everyone does that. And then everyone sees all of the answers, but doesn't know who wrote what, plus the real answer. And then you have to guess which one is the real answer. If you get it oh, right, you fun. get points. And if if somebody else chooses yours, thinking that yours is the right answer, you get points as well. And you get really random. Oh, so it's like, will everyone believe the, a lie yeah. or like something that isn't true? Yeah, exactly. It's quite good. It's quite good until it descends into just people writing the stupidest things because they want they want to win the comedy vote. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it, it sounds a bit like Cards Against Humanity in that way. Yeah, exactly. It is a bit like that. <laughs> I'm yet to try this Netflix uh, this Netflix party thing. I've done that. that everyone... I've, I've used that. Yeah. What's is it that? good? Uh, it's, it's, like, it's like having a chat board um, next to the film you're watching. 
And so if you're basically just WhatsApp while you're watching a film, basically, but you can want to watch either of the screens can control it. So like if you want to pause it, somebody wants to go to the bathroom or whatever, you pause it. Oh, and Jim Cummings on there constantly. Just like, (laughs) and just be, yeah. And you're watching real time as in with the other person. So the reaction is the same. It's, it's a fine feature, but it's a bit like, yeah, if you have WhatsApp, it's a bit redundant. (laughs) I think we should should start one of Thunder Road and then we should just tweet the link to, to Jim Cummings. (laughs) He'll like it. (laughs) JC, our savior. Yeah. (laughs) Come and join our party. (laughs) Talking about you. What's uh, what's everyone been watching in the in the quarantine? Few things. Um, started watching Mandalorian. Uh, also started watching. Well, I watched one episode and it turned it off because of how ridiculous it is. T- the Netflix series Tiger King. Yeah, yeah. This. Is it any Everyone good? is going on about this. It's it's fucking wild, but it's it's like a documentary. So it's like uh, making a murderer, but obviously this is um, tigers in cages in America. Then there's good movies on Netflix right now, such as like The Platform and The Occupant. Uh, both are Spanish, but kind of thriller horror themed. The platform is very good. Really, platform looks really cool. I've seen really the trailer. Looks cool, yeah. yeah. Um, watch Dark Waters, Captain Fantastic, Villain. That's an old film from like 1970s. Mm. Uh, also watched Burning, which was really cool, really good. Um, yeah, I still want to see that. I know. Um, I've seen Captain Fantastic. That's with um Vigo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure about that movie. It was like so. I really enjoyed it. It was so indie. It was yeah, like yeah, indie, yeah, yeah, indie. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also watched uh, Contagion because obviously, when if not now? Nice. Uh, which is it's just horrendous how similar it is to real life i've heard that yeah. everyone is saying yeah, either watch yeah, yeah. it or don't watch it if you don't want to get freaked out you watch it it's still a good film and on your based on your recommendation dom this morning um uh, that's seven o'clock in the morning i watched uh primer oh yeah which i really liked oh, wow <laughs> yeah primer's um yeah well that was sparrow was talking about that the other day weren't you? yeah upstream about, color um, upstream color which is the same shane carruthers the same filmmaker yeah. as primer but primer was really interesting it was all a bit journalistic in the sense of how it was all relayed so yeah the amount of detail and depth it kind of goes into on what they're working on a shot for like less than 10 grand right and it's sort of time travel yeah yeah what what is primer what is primer about like really broadly um so these two guys there's four guys who are inventors and they make patents and stuff um and they accident- <laughs> accidentally not really knowing it they uh they make a time machine that is more that is kind of similar to Hugh Jackman's machine in uh, The Prestige if you've seen it which right, kind of right, makes yeah. doubles in the future and so on it's it's a bit trippy okay sounds cool it's quite tricky to follow but it's it's very interesting but they do to kind together. of try to make sense of it in a kind of grounded sense of it not like the Terminator so mm. like they'll ex- <laughs> ex- explain on they'll explain what they're doing and kind of like at atom level so it's, mm. it's at times it's a bit head scratchy but you yeah you can get your hand, head around it i also watched the mandalorian or at least the, the one episode that was available at the time yeah which was cool good um a bit like rogue one which i'm sure we'll come on to later in this episode. rouge one i also watched a three three bill three part bill of stanley kubrick the killing killer's kiss and paths of glory nice killer's kiss is actually a film i want um sparrow to watch because it's like <laughs> it's like super low budget stanley kubrick like in, noir in right. shot <laughs> shot on the streets black and white Happy sparrows. um that's cool like, How honestly, long is it, I, that's I, I do i it's only an hour 20 i think and oh. i honestly think oh, it's wow, like four sparrows four sparrows yeah dream um also i watched um ida and cold war by pavel yeah 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 cold war. pavel pavelowski um the 
kind of famous Polish director, Cold War won best foreign film at the Oscars. But these, weirdly, these are actually only three or four sparrows, despite the fact they look longer. They're actually quite shorter films. They're uh, they're really good. I, I call them like the Wes Anderson of Eastern Europe because it's all like black <laughs> black and white, very well put together. But it's obviously the subject matter is um, way different. <laughs> yeah. Watch Fellini's Eight and a Half, which is classic. That's where the famous dancing in Pulp Fiction is taken from. Mm. cool to see like an old reference in a film that was in a very popular updated new movie and then i polished off the whole of atlanta which was amazing really recommend atlanta as a tv series i'll try to get into it i watched under the silver lake <laughs> and uh yeah. the, the old the old man and the gun has anyone heard oh, of that yeah, yeah. With, really good that's Rob, robert, robert redford. redford last film yeah that's pretty cool saw that last night i actually quite enjoyed silver lake no um, i'm so <laughs> honestly that film is 12 sparrows it's so <laughs> So it's, it's a rogue it's a rogue like, i think <laughs> i think it's because i knew it was going to be a rambling thing with no like satisfying ending so because i was braced for that i was kind of like i was hanging out with it yeah. <laughs> it was a hangout movie <laughs> yeah, yeah. just kind of get up and yeah. hang out around 12 <laughs> exactly it was like plow but uh wow. <laughs> a bit more modern plow is an easier watch than <laughs> under the silver lake silver lake no but things about the silver lake is it a lot of the shots and stuff are like I think we spoke about it briefly, Dom. Like it had a lot of potential to be really good because it the sh- some of the cinematography and the music and stuff is really good, mm. but it's just the plot. The <laughs> it's pl- just yeah, like... the plot is plow literally. You're right though; it is quite cinematic though the way it the way it's done. I mean, it follows is really good. Like you've got us, I think. Yeah, the, um... it, it, funny enough, it follows is the one film of his I haven't seen, which is technically the, <laughs> the, the best. Apparently, <laughs> I think it definitely is his best. Sparrow and Louis, you've both watched um, Knives Out. Yeah, you on think? your on your mega recommendation um yeah i thought it was really really good it was um kind of weird mad film but i thought it was really fun to watch it's, it's actually quite a fun like quarantine thing because there's like four of us in the house we got the projector out we gave it like a proper evening and it's a proper like who done it where you can kind of you know keep guessing mm. and trying to, trying to put the pictures together yourself yeah good good romp of a film did you appreciate the uh the twit the the young um son who's on twitter yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was brilliant i know well let's all the characters were really good like really well really well painted um honestly i think it's that one of daniel crow's best films outside of bond what have you seen them in then yeah exactly i had a debate with um with my stepmom i had a mass we had a mass debate <laughs> no hang on that's not okay when it's with family <laughs> um and because um a couple of them were saying it's like it she like he was really badly miscast and i think you obviously instinctively do go there because you think like oh you can't not think of him as like cool suave james bond but i completely disagree i thought he was really good um and really managed to like you know re-portray himself as something completely different yeah i I feel like it showed him as a more versatile actor than bond yeah bond Bond is is pretty wooden it's quite, yeah you're just so used to seeing him like underact and in this one he's quite like colorful yeah. <laughs> yeah i do believe yeah i do believe there's a mystery at play yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was even like little elements of bond weren't there like like in the, in the first bit where he's just kind of glaring at them from the back of the room oh yeah, um, yeah. he's a bit yeah, sort yeah. of bond like at the beginning but then yeah he just True. becomes completely different later on the grandma was brilliant in that movie as well <laughs> Another role where um Daniel Craig's quite colourful is um Logan Lucky. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I wonder whether that would have triggered the guys at Knives Out to bring him on board for it. 
because because I think he's got a southern accent in that as he well. Does, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's he's a southern. Steven Soderbergh movie that isn't it? Yeah. Should we move on to a fun game which we haven't played in a while and which I feel we should just set the record straight with how this is played because it's been played like two different ways <laughs> on on past episodes. So when two become one is our game where each of us have chosen a film and they we we present two truths and one lie that we've made up we don't tell anyone what it is and they have to guess what the lie is so we confusingly we have played it the other way where <laughs> where it was one truth and two lies but we have set the record straight <laughs> in this second remote episode this is how we're going to play it let's do it uh, who, wants, do it. who wants to go first nope. um all right i'll go first <laughs> That's <laughs> just like hangs up. But it's like, see ya. <laughs> Alright, I've I've done I've done gone with the wind on this one. Um nice. I thought I'd go classic. I thought I'd go yeah, old school. Um, I do believe someone has gone <laughs> old school. I do believe, I do declare. <laughs> um and uh interesting thing, it's not one of the not one of the two truths in a lie. Apparently this is the longest film that's ever won a best picture at the Academy Awards and you believe it because it's like nearly four hours in length so here are my here are my three number one 300 actresses did readings for the part of Scarlett O'Hara 300 actresses did readings for the part (laughs) of Scarlett O'Hara number two the governor of Atlanta declared a state holiday for the premiere of the film and number three Clark Gable reportedly ate a clove of garlic every time he had to do a kissing scene with Vivian Lee just to piss her off. So that's 300 actresses did readings. The governor of Atlanta declared a state holiday for the premiere and Clark Gable ate garlic before kissing Vivian Lee just to piss her off. I think the state... Number three is a lie. I think the middle one's a lie. Yeah. That's the a... state the state holiday. Yeah. I'm going to go with number two. You go... I'm going to say three to be rogue. <laughs> so... I think it's got to be t- it's got to be two because it, that just seems absurd to think <laughs> be a state holiday for a, for a film's release. Also to declare it? Like not even petition it? Just declare it. Hit us. So the state holiday is actually true. Governor <laughs> of Atlanta did declare a state holiday. The other one that's true is that Clark Gable did actually eat garlic before every kissing scene with Vivian Lee. <laughs> the lie, we both got done. The lie is that not 300, but 400 actresses did readings for Scarlett O'Hara before Vivian Lee was cast. Uh, you did uh, the old, you did the old take a uh-huh. truth fact and spin warp it. Warp, warp <laughs> <a> truth. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, apparently, apparently about fifteen hundred actresses were interviewed, and then about four hundred did readings before Vivian Lee was cast, which is ridiculous. When you look at the scale of this film, I think you realise mm. how how hard it must have been to put together. Like they had two and a half, two thousand four hundred extras were in Gone with the Wind. It's a big picture. Yeah, a monumental cast on a completely different scale to what yeah, to what we do today. Anyway, yeah, there you go. Uh Sparrow? My film is a film called Rumble Fish, which is one of my favourites. So three facts. Firstly it was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, secondly it was Matt Dylan's acting debut and th- uh, as the main role in it. And thirdly, the police drummer Stuart Copeland, who's one of my favourite musicians, did the soundtrack to this film. But this was also his first first soundtrack to a movie, so he, he ended up doing multiple movie soundtracks. But this was his first. I'm gonna go. With, that's a lie. So I'm saying um, third one. 
I'm gonna go with number three as well. Matt Dillon's de- debut acting. It probably was. I think. I think that's the lie. Real set. Sounds like the it. Lie, <laughs> the lie. The lie was um. The lie was Matt Dillon. Really? So it was um. Oh. He was the main character, but he'd been in a few films before this. I really like it. Um, it's interesting because it's so it's Francis Ford Coppola, but I think it was yeah it was after The Godfather and stuff, so he was already like really big, and yeah this is a like a slightly lesser known film of his. Worth a watch. Okay, I'll go next. Mine is actually um, Knives Out. Mm. Believe it or not. Okay. So I've, I don't believe it. So I've got three. Um, Harlan Thromby's portrait changes to a smirk when his murder is solved. Mm. The second one is the My House, My Rules mug was actually, that text was actually put in in post. So it's actually a CGI effect on the mug. It was just a normal mug when they were filming it. And all of the clocks in every scene, including like on a phone or something, was always the right accurate time to reflect the scene in which it was in. So if someone had a phone in a scene, that time on the phone was the right time that that scene would have taken place. I mean, I sort of hope that that would be the case anyway, right? Because otherwise it's quite lazy filmmaking if it's says like 3am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with number one. I'm going to go with number two. I'm going to go with number two. Mm-hmm. Better? Number one, yeah, yeah. I just don't think they'd CGI the writing onto a cup. And number one seems like exactly the sort of thing that that film would do. The reason why I'm not going for number two is um, because then it would be a dead giveaway for the actors as well if they, if they did the whole thing. This man's thinking. This man is thinking. Um, and the number one, I just don't remember that being in the film, so I'm just going to go with that. Wait, what do you mean it would be a dead giveaway for the actors? As in... Yeah, so you would know how the film ends because it's the Anna... Anna Diarmid. Yeah. Anna Diarmid. Yeah, yeah. That film starts with her picking up that cup. So it's not really... A f- as much as it is a foreshadowing, but it's also a giveaway for the audience and, and for the people that are making the film because not everyone has seen the full script. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. That's yeah. Point. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you know. So the uh, the lie is my house, my rules mug was put in in post. <laughs> <laughs> he his portrait does Did actually I just change to a smirk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You played you played right into what I thought. It, ben, I thought when when Venice is, dif- is like directing his first feature, it will be like <laughs> the studio is like just use the mug, man. It's like a fraction of the price, and you're like, no. <laughs> Let no, we need to spend the money in post. <laughs> yeah, they the attention to detail on this film was nuts. So they did actually change all the clocks to make sure they were right. And um, his smirk does change. His, his, his face does change to his smirk. I don't remember that. But I mean, honestly, the, the surely clocks should reflect the time of a scene in a film yeah. anyway, right? But also a film like this, the timeline is kind of critical. Is in like, where are you at 10 o'clock at night sort of thing? If, mm. if the clocks aren't accurate, it's like... Oh. True. It's a good point. That's fair. Bennett? Okay, so my okay, so I picked the film Monsters because I didn't really. Oh, good. That's a good. It's a good choice. I've not watched it, but I've heard of it. <laughs> Number one is that this film is shot in five different countries. Remember the budget, by the way, when reflecting this. Mm-hmm. Um, then hundred grand number... per country. <laughs> then. Uh, number two is nine minutes of the film were, were cut even after it was picture locked and screened at festivals like uh, Cannes and, and Sundance. The uh, no, uh-huh. South by, and Sapphire. the production had to pay off real life guerrilla fighters uh, to take them through the, uh, through the jungles in in Mexico, mm. New Mexico. I say number three. I think that's the lie. I yeah, reckon no, that's I true. I reckon that's probably true. I'm going to say number one is a lie. Five different countries. I can believe it. It's five different countries. Oh, 
I can believe it's five. No, because I countries. think it was like Costa Rica, Nicaragua, like probably the USA. So I can believe it was five. Mexico, so one other one. What if he's What if he's doing a tricksy one and say, and it's actually six? There's <laughs> four countries. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 We should ban that move. <laughs> that move is deadly. <laughs> it's called the lunch. <laughs> 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 the lunch with the one big respect for your lunch move there <laughs> it's, this is a lunch a lunch gambit um, um i can believe that nine minutes was cut from the film for some reason well they're saying that they gave him a lot of free reign actually i'm gonna go with that i think that's the lie that nine minutes was cut after it was screened at festivals cool so you're going with number two yep louis i'm gonna say number one's the lie Sparrow's going number three. oh we spread our bets oh <laughs> <laughs> Nice move. Sparrow got it right. Um, uh, it was shot in five different countries. Nine minutes were cut even after Cannes. Um, wow. That was on because producers over at Vertigo Film, they kind of forced them to do it. Also, the amount of footage they had, it was like over 100 hours shot because it was shot like a documentary. Um, so the first cut of like cohesive story it was um, four hours and a bit, I think four and a quarter. And then even that was cut down to what the film is now which is i think 130 i think 130 something but yeah there's there's no word of them paying off real life guerrilla fighters that scene part of that scene takes place in costa rica in a backyard of an actor's house by the way right when yeah when the when the bald guy says uh talks about america building the wall um and how um kind of like sec- uh, secluding themselves shutting themselves off that takes uh that takes place in costa rica because new, new flu out- outbreak happened in, in mexico and they couldn't go there so also very apt for our times mm. it's a very interesting uh truth a uh, lie sorry to throw in there it's believable yeah. in a lot of ways that, that would happen <laughs> This is a good segue into Monsters. Just before we talk about Monsters, I should ask, as we never do, for people to rate us on Apple Podcasts, not iTunes, because iTunes is now a defunct piece of software. Oh, wow. <laughs> they've, they've stopped iTunes, so you have to use Apple Podcasts to, to rate um, podcasts. But yeah, it's super easy to rate it. Um, Did not know that. So we would be, we'd be appreciated if you do that. And also, I think this episode will push us to a thousand uh downloads all time Beautiful. we're on 955 so keep, yeah keep it going hopefully maybe, maybe this would be the one to knock off the the infamous get out <laughs> yeah if, if everyone could just download this episode and make sure that get out gets knocked <laughs> off the top spot get out gets out uh that would be handy um cool all right so the film this week is monsters Directed by Gareth Edwards. Um, Six years after Earth has suffered an alien invasion, a cynical journalist agrees to escort a shaken American tourist through an infected zone in Mexico to the safety of the US border. Can I just say from the offset, the title of the film, it it sort of jars with the tone of the movie. Like, I feel like the tone of the movie is quite thoughtful and quite sophisticated and a little bit kind of like you know it's more of a thriller than a kind of like full-on horror film but monsters, monsters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it right. sounds like donald trump's favorite movie <laughs> yeah blow it up <laughs> but also it's a road movie so when you have two people on a road movie they tend to that tend to flourish into a love story so yeah. i think that part was unavoidable in this one i feel like the best place to start with this film is is big gaz himself <laughs> personally i i think he's a he's a bit of a dude like that he basically went out and kind of shot this film yeah for virtually next to nothing when you think about what was achieved um yeah incredible i kind of found that he it seems that star wars is his kind of was his initial inspiration for for movie making um 
and kind of loved the aesthetic and kind of story of that but um and i think he's a big spielberg fan as well so a lot of it a lot of that era of filmmaking in the 70s i think was what kind of inspired him to become a filmmaker for me what's so interesting about him is he took this kind of vfx because he was a vfx artist right yeah. at, at mm. bbc i think for a long time yeah he worked on heroes and villains and stuff like that kind of took that skill and applied that to essentially to filmmaking and kind of indie film also, I think it's important to note his short film, the one he, he did uh, to win the Sci-Fi Fest, um, feels a lot like Monsters, kind of like what Monsters maybe became. Not that he had maybe intentions of it, just a bit of a concept on that plot, on what that short is about. And that was the 48-hour London Sci-Fi Film Festival, right? Where you get given... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You basically just get given a few words or something and you have to create a film exactly. within 48 hours. Yeah, and over there like post-apocalyptic one person kind of wanders through through this kind of like deserted backwards of backwards england maybe if i remember correctly there's another storyline going with i think robots or something something like that the wandering in the backwards feels a lot like monsters Absolutely. that aesthetic does come through and in that short film even uh he created all the the visual effects for that film yeah because mm. if you look at it it actually has a lot of visual effects going for it um even mm. simple stuff like signs massive billboards where they talk about alien invasions and stuff yeah kind of editing those signs and for the keen eyes a lot of it was filmed at canary wharf on the yeah. in the train yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly um, just because it looks so futuristic around there in terms of architecture and train design we should say that film actually won the the 48 hour film fest and i think he then returned as a judge back in it. 2008 mm. i think Oh yeah, that's worth saying that Monsters is 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 in 2010. So, yeah. so so it's two years after. Well, he did speak like that. He was kind of like looking at other directors that make their debut at well, like 28, 26, and I think Monsters he made at 35. So he was yeah. he was a bit depressed about that one. Yeah, <laughs> but that just shows that you can't really put a, put a timeline on you know directing or getting into the industry as well that it, it takes years i think a lot of what his success has come from is kind of proving to producers and to film companies that you can do this vfx on your laptop at home yeah yeah because yeah. i think when he started doing a lot of vfx a lot of people went there's no way you can do that by yourself you need a whole team and he was like well i just did it so yeah yeah exactly say son what <laughs> money. i think people look at vfx artists and assume that's the extent of what they do it was yeah. interesting that he kind of merged with being a director and having a vision and a story with that technical skill set, which meant that when he made Monsters, which we'll get into, but it is possible, it was possible for him to sit in his bedroom, which essentially I think he did, yeah. and just create the monster designs for the film. Whereas usually you'd need like a whole department mm. and like hundreds of thousands of pounds just to just to do the post. Yeah, it would have been the most expensive thing by far if he hadn't done it himself of this film, right? Because sure. mm, yeah, sure. it, it wouldn't be. That's where he saved the money. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what did we all think of this film? This is my third time watching it. Same. I was pleasantly surprised, actually. Um, yeah, I really liked it. Really, really good. good and madly good for the move for the budget. I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Lou, especially because I know this isn't your kind of genre or necessarily the type of film yeah. that you'd search out to watch, but. But, um, yeah. What you said at the start is really interesting. It, it's 
for me, the reason this film stands out is obviously the insane technical achievement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the tone of it is just so different to a lot of sci-fi monster films. Not necessarily sci-fi films, but kind of monster films. They're usually quite loud and brash. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sci-fi is at its best when that's not the main takeout, right? Sci-fi is at its best when the main takeout is the kind of human story that's going on in a fantastical context. Yeah. And although there are parts of this film that I find really hard to get on board with, because like Andrew's a douche and it's not a very believable love story. <laughs> um, there is that sort of like attempt to sort of just tell quite... Uh, it, it reminded me a bit of Arrival um, in that mm. you've got the kind of like the alien thing as the kind of backdrop of the plot, but actually what you're focusing on is the kind of psychological journey of the yeah. humans, the sort of central characters, rather than just a, being a constant fight with the aliens and it just sort of descends into an action film. We should say that the the main plot does follow these two people, right? Um, this, this guy in the girl as they kind of he has to escort her through mexico up to the u.s yeah two quite annoying people actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> two sort of slightly arrogant americans who think they can just buy their way through everything well yeah to be fair like, so many people die for them when i was watching it I, I kind of applied the political message that it never intended mind you this came out 10 years ago um yeah. just a note on what louis just said about the their relationship so given that there was about 100 hours of footage i'm sure it had to be cut down like their story so their story kind of takes place over the 100 hours worth of footage so he does mm. come come off as a douche the entire time but i think <laughs> it's just because it was the way it was cut they down cut out all the non-douchey bits yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but maybe the political sense is more applicable now than when it was released i suppose yeah um, building a wall Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then especially through Mexico, where it's actually based as well. Yeah, mm. and then the whole thing of like Americans needing to buy their way into America, where it's usually it's the immigrants trying to buy their way into there. Mm. Um, mm. so that approach I really thought was interesting. Obviously, he didn't see Trump becoming the thing or whatever, but. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, also like the fact that they kind of, they didn't just end the film as they kind of walked through essentially the wall into US. That could have been the ending right there. But they did show that like the US, because it built a wall around itself, they fucked themselves over just as much by doing so, mm-hmm. by self-isolating so much. Um, so I thought that was an interesting approach because the one of the guerrilla fighters, speaking about the guerrilla fighters, those things, they kind of like, their sentences were taken out of context. Um, so there was a lot of talking and essentially they were just, uh, the guerrilla fighters were given their points of view of the whole they were talking about the border i was watching a video of the editor of this film and he he was saying like how they would just like adr the lines that fit to make the, f- the film to be about monsters yeah <laughs> but it was yeah. actually them speaking about like americans <laughs> <laughs> that brings up how this whole film was shot right because it's it is an independent movie it was shot for five hundred thousand dollars but the crew was literally just him, uh, Gareth, and edit- the actors, obviously, an editor. A sound guy. Kind of probably a helper of some sort and a driver. Like, it really wasn't a large crew. Like like Louis was saying, the short we've got <laughs> in this episode has got, it's got a bigger crew than this film. It is a low-budget movie, and... Because of that and the way that it's shot, which I one of the things I love about this film is the improvisation. So what you were just saying is so true that basically they would turn up to a location and I read that they would have a series of um, cards, like physical things that should happen and kind of emotional things that should happen. Yeah, yeah. And then they would just, you know, find like a border crossing, for example, 
and try and get the person to act in the film kind of have these bits to hit and and i guess the actual actors the couple um or the eventual couple would just have to kind of work out how they would get to this which is probably an actor's dream honestly yeah, yeah. Just, just improvise yeah and being able to build the film yourself so you you know i think that's really clever because a lot of the scenes where they would actually have you know native people from mexico and these countries they probably would just be acting in the way that they would yeah. when they turn up and shoot anyway. So there's a set, it gives a sense of realism. I found out yesterday that apparently Scoop McNary and Whitney Abel were dating or even getting married or something at the time of the of the shoot, which is quite interesting. I, I imagine that must have been a very kind of collaborative process, and they probably I don't know if they met when they were doing when they were like getting ready to do it or something, or if they, he deliberately cast people who had a good chemistry. He saw them in another low budget film. Yeah, Vertigo producers. They told Gareth to watch In Search of a Midnight Kiss that had them there. Apparently, Gareth kind of cast them off the bat. Um, so I'm not sure how much of that is true. But in, in a lot of ways, it's quite smart using a real life couple for this kind of film where you're constantly on the road. For me, it did come. Uh, their relationship was felt much more organic. Um, and because this, yeah, with this film, because there's so many stops and starts, that, you know, they do one location, then they'll set, set up over there, then they'll drive to a bit. It's a lot of stop and starts and to kind of fake that kind of, mm-hmm. uh, the whole 24 hour, twenty four hours, you know, it's, it could be a hard task, but if you use a real life couple, there'll be probably um, much more natural aggressions yeah. if the team calls for it or... <laughs> Something that, um, to your point, Ben, about cutting down like 100 hours of footage into, into, <laughs> into like an hour That's and a half. That's insane they shot that <laughs> much. One of the things I did notice actually when I was watching it, and again surprised me because of the budget is how how kind of elaborate the montage scenes are i think there's like three or four that just kind of give you the sense that they're traveling together and they're walking really far and they're kind of growing as a as a, as a couple or as a you know as a pair i remember thinking like fuck that's a really expensive thing to do if you're if you're on a really tight budget basically like doing a very varied very quick sort of montage where you're seeing like max two seconds or something mm. of each setup mm. That's quite impressive that they managed to kind of get all that stuff in rather than just kind of writing it in, you know, that, oh, they've been on this big thing and we never actually see it. Oh, right, right. So I guess, you know, it is quite good that they managed to condense a lot of footage into a short period of time, but also show quite a lot of variety through those montage scenes. So Gareth, obviously, he's made more films than this, but um, I think through this film and then his short film and his background documentaries, I think his, I feel like his style now is the kind of this documentary sense of yeah. bigger worlds. So yeah. even in his sequels, uh, sequels, uh, other movies such as like Godzilla, Rogue One, it does have this documentary feel that get, kind of gives you boots on the ground feel in a sense. His, they call it his like 360 style of shooting. So when they made, when he directed Rogue One, which was the Star Wars film he did, the trouble with filming that film was he always wanted to move around actors, but that means that you've got green screen around mm. everyone and that made it the the special effects in Rogue One have slept on because they're insane yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely like, what was achieved in that film was incredible I think you're right I think that that's why what, what you're saying about the the 48 hour sci-fi film fest film he did and this that's what I love is that that, that aesthetic is carried on through all his films it's like a real sign of a an auteur to me you can watch their films That's and be like film. yeah yeah that yeah. was mate that was his yeah. film just to louis's point aside from the very last scene where you've got the two huge monsters actually in clear view i think what was so interesting about the vfx and purposeful about them because let's be honest it was just <laughs> <doing> it. <laughs> in, his, in his bedroom yeah. they were incidental and suggestive so for example when they're on the train and he's leaning off the side of the train taking pictures you're seeing flashes from behind the mountain and sounds of bombs going off and sounds of jets to suggest that there's like a bigger thing going on there 
and the idea of vfxing a flash behind a mountain is probably not that hard yeah. to do in in vfx but the impact it has in the tone of the film and keep coming back to the tones. I think the tone is the thing that's achieved through everything and is what stands out. It's just cool to see someone not go, let's just make a huge VFX yeah, thing because yeah. I can. Yeah, it was actually quite like delicately handled. Just to just to add to your to your point there as well, def, a definite shout to the editor of this is because, so obviously it's edited like what, 100 hours, hours of footage, right? <laughs> to, to an hour, essentially. Um, but also his point was like, let's just put, a monster scene at the beginning so then we don't have to keep feeding it to the audience for like another hour yeah. let's put this at the beginning then we shave off an hour we can just have them going through and so the vfx shots are like a bombed out train or whatever um those are easier to do how many people do you think because i definitely did as soon as you finish it you go straight back to the beginning and you watch that first scene again oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> i loved how that was connected by that um well it's kind of aud- audibly connected by that u.s yeah, soldier da, 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 singing da, da. <laughs> yeah it's so good it was just like it was like he gave the direction like be an arsehole US soldier go (laughs) (laughs) it was clever it was really clever i think that was one of the changes by the way uh because i think gareth edwards wanted to change to have the film finish with the monster going off and just kind of like the the couple kiss uh but the I think it was the producers at vertigo they were like no put the beginning at the end to kind mm. of have this circle thing so that was one of the changes good idea there's a sequel isn't there as well yeah it's made by tom green and it's not very good yeah apparently it's not that no. great <laughs> um i didn't actually know there was a sequel he was exact producer so was yeah. scoop mcnary um sparrow sparrow we haven't been able to shut yeah. you up <laughs> what are you uh yeah the- one bit. Well, I'm just going to mention one bit. My my only my only useful bit of information. One bit I found really funny when they're on the boat and they see the monster in the lake or the river, and everyone's panicking, and he starts taking pictures. He's like, "What are you doing?" He's <laughs> yeah. like, "What do you want me to do?" I was thinking the same thing. I was like, when she was going nuts at him, it's just like, "Well, he's on the same boat as you." Do you mean like a doctor? It's like, oh, yeah, all right, good one. Oh damn! <laughs> <laughs> How did you just compare yourself to a doctor? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, all the crew just like dabbing oh, in the background. Shut her right up. All the crew. Really? All the crew? All the crew, yeah. <laughs> all the gorillas. <laughs> yeah, the, the sound guy. No, I think I think this film is nothing short of a of an actual miracle. The fact that you could go, okay, let's get a small crew, let's get on a bus, let's yeah, go around South America, inspiring, actually, try and make a film. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, it's truly insane. Like, there's there's no there's no question that he would have a career after making this. I would just say as well, uh, I did read something just to go back to the, how he got the idea for the film. He said he was on holiday watching these fishermen pull this net out of a like an octopus in it into their boat and he was looking at that going what if that was a huge monster and what if i could like rotoscope everyone's hands out and and but they wouldn't act as though they were pulling a monster out they would just be carrying acting as though they're pulling out the fish that they're fishing i think it's really interesting how you can get an idea for a feature film from something so physical and something so in a way technical because he basically looked at it and went if i applied my vfx know-how to this scene what would it look like and if that scene was them pulling a monster out why would the monster yeah. be there yeah. and like building a film out from that i just think it's really it's really smart and he's definitely a visual storyteller like 
like Louis was saying, I think there are a couple lines in this film where I felt a bit like the strength of this film is when it's visually, when there's visual storytelling going on, the conversations between them are less strong, but they're still. But that might be because it's, it's improvised, like no dialogue was written. <laughs> mm, is that right? Once again, watching this uh, editor's video, it was about 50, no, it was about half an hour. And he tried pulling out a script. He's like, oh, yeah, there's a script here. He's, he tries to find a script, just scraps of paper describing a scene where he's just like, oh, so now they, they walk into here. It's written like a novel, really. So that, that was the whole script. Yeah, okay. I, th- I think that actually helps to explain it a little bit because there just isn't much development in their no, relationship no, at no, all through there's dialogue. The, there's the same question being asked. Oh, so you're, you're getting married. Oh, so how about your kid? Literally, that's yeah. the, the two things they, they kind of quite sort of shallow conversation what do you guys what do you think about the characters and the kind of arc that they have like do you think it was needed it had to be there i think it's the the weakest part of the film basically like the love story is the weakest part of the film because you get this sense that like well first of all okay why why? neither of them are likable in any way right um the 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 photographer guy like you think at the beginning oh maybe he's this kind of like socially conscious crusader who's you know just out to sort of like show the world what's really going on but he's not really he's just trying to like make a bit of money um and the whole thing where he like gets really drunk sleeps with this tries to sleep with her it's just like he's just not a nice guy he's yeah that bit up. was a bit weird and yeah, she's just a bit useless that bit when he was in front of the door at night and he was trying to get in was just it's so like, crazy the monster so kill you now <laughs> <laughs> um so he's a bit patronizing she's a bit useless and the only reason they actually like get close is because they go through a quite a traumatic experience together not because they've built any kind of relationship if they if they did both survive then they would be divorced within a year Fair. <laughs> i one thing i was just gonna say which which was interesting on oh it just made me think um i liked how the monsters were not you know how in a quiet place the whole thing is about Mm. sound and there's this and that's got its merit and i I love that movie is it's got its own thing there but i liked with this how it wasn't really clear like why that that monster in the jungle was picking up the jeep in front and throwing it around and it didn't pick up their car that they Mm -hmm. were in like you know it was quite ambiguous like what these things attacked or what they were really they attacked light i have a i think my my it was all a dream theory is going to tie into this one so i'm going to stay advisably silent was that the was that what yeah that's the reason why did why they didn't pick up the car because he covered the 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 little flashlight with a with like a oh he punched yeah yeah so the the monster couldn't kind of see it and that's why the tv at the end he 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 was latching onto this tv because it was a light source and she went and turned it off i think the light thing though only issue with the light theory is that it disappeared when the tv was pulled out out, but there were still electric lights all around it's not it's not very consistent in it's in it's how the world works in that kind of sense but that's what i mean i kind of like how it's not it's not even really not focused clear. on that much but also just touch up on lou's point didn't find them as unlikable as you did but also i kind of understood the photographer's uh point of view in a sense of like they've been living with these monsters for years now six years um so it's just a way of life now so to yeah. kind of so to take pictures of these tragedies and of these monsters yeah because it pays money whereas take you know taking pictures of like nature doesn't um and he kind of makes that point doesn't he um so yeah i I get his point like you know if monsters lived now and you kind of had to get to work you'd still like okay cool just get to work now so i kind of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i wonder if like maybe maybe it's more of a personal 
but personality thing it's like i because i i totally agree like there's definitely not a um although she tries to sort of like question the morality of, of taking photographs i mean obviously like yeah he, she he shut that yeah. shit down um <laughs> i think it's more just personality it's like he goes there, there are there are so many examples of him like being quite douchey <laughs> which is fine <laughs> if there are also a few examples of like remediating kind of I don't know factors like I don't know if he was nice with the kids or if he was kind of like good with he was, he was quite, rubbish he was quite short when he when he left when he left as well and she was like hugging that family that yeah, kept them shit. and he, he was, was like, like let's go let's go like, can you say single I'm like, single can you say single it's like shut up it's a bit of douche <laughs> I was like, she gets it. You're saying, yeah. but maybe, um, maybe, maybe I'm being a bit harsh. Maybe he's been really hurt, man, and I just haven't, you know, I'm, I'm being harsh. Well, also, he kind of uh, explains his backstory a bit, doesn't he? About the whole kid that isn't really that is yeah. his kid, but he can't say it's his kid. So of course, he's he's gonna be he can't yeah. he's gonna be a bit more cynical towards life. That's true. That's true. Oh, I was just gonna say, but I can see why you think that the female character was just so useless. She was very passive in a sense. She didn't like contribute to much of their survival. But yeah. Her, her kind of arc was was quite damsel yeah, in distress yeah, yeah. like she literally she that, she need literally needed to be transported yeah and she didn't, she didn't really grow when he was on the phone to the dad that he was just like yeah yeah we need to get a train like <laughs> shut the fuck up buddy you're gonna get my daughter back Thing is, right? and she didn't really grow right so so although she starts off as a damsel in distress who's gonna get married by the end she's just a damsel in distress who's gonna get married to somebody else like there, there was never any kind of like personal growth into this kind of independent woman which you would expect to see from from that character up instead she just falls in love with the man in front of her instead of the man back home i don't know when she pawned off her ring he wasn't very sympathetic <laughs> about it either he was just kind of like two tickets that's gonna buy us two tickets that guy was the star <laughs> of the of the film the, the, the ticket seller guy he was great like, what do you want me to do he that was, was yesterday this is today hey eh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was wondering if he was an actor or if he was a, just a, a ticket guy. Like, ticket I don't guy. know. Just quickly going back to the VFX, it's worth saying for people that would watch this and not know, even simple things like a sign on the border that would normally just say like US-Mexico border sign, he just photoshopped to say quarantine zone. Yeah. You know, simple stuff like that made such a difference because it just builds the world. Also, the, the fact that they would have signs uh, for like, oh, quarantine zone, 35 kilometers or whatever, it just shows six years truly has passed that these people have like applied this way of life now that they are just yeah. living with monsters as opposed to just constantly in battle with them. So like- That's so true. Well, that's, that's, what, that's the genius of the film isn't it is that it's like it's in a way it should be called after monsters or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, the scene when they go to the houses and they're all destroyed oh yeah us like where like was that just filmed in an area that was recently hit by a hurricane really good yeah, 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 yeah. it's like it was katrina money on screen gareth edwards uh with this film he came he came in under budget so he had 500 but i'm pretty sure that i read that he came in under budget it's mad so that's, that's insane. insane. <laughs> the best thing he was told, which I really like this, the producers of the film said, don't worry about making a, a movie that's going to make money. It's not as in, don't worry about money that we have a limited budget, but don't worry about how successful this is going to be financially. Like make the film you want to make. And he was saying that that was just such a mm. confidence boosting thing to hear, you know, to just 
lessen that yeah. stress yeah, on yeah. him. I was going to say, I genuinely thought that like that bit through the through the kind of desolated city for a while, I thought it was just incredibly well done. Where like they would be, they were on like treadmills, and you had the sort of green screen in the back, but then they kind of cut in, and you see that they're actually walking through it. Because for a while, it's just a kind of side on shot where they're just kind of walking and kind of staying still, but then the background's moving with them. But um, yeah, they didn't do that. <laughs> I don't know whether you guys know who John Hopkins is, who did the soundtrack. Um, he's kind of a famous like electronic music producer but i i thought the music especially the main theme which is just called monsters was awesome very melancholy added to the tone of the film which was just reflective and kind of introspective which is sort of the opposite of what these monster based films usually are but yeah this the score i just thought was amazing another thing that brought the movie up for me it's all it's always 50 percent of the film isn't it so i think it is job real well the tone of the film would have not been the same with a different soundtrack yeah, yeah for sure for sure i i personally i just i love this film i think it's such a good example of in, independent yeah. filmmaking very inspiring in a sense as well there's like an adobe cloud video where he talks about how it's achieved using photoshop and like after effects and it's just like this this is stuff anyone has access yeah. to yeah, so yeah, yeah. one of the things about gareth edwards which what well, obviously we just we've talked about loads on this which separates him from the pack of other directors is that he, he's actually a visual effects guy so i don't know any other like directors who could actually go and edit it in the same way like that that he actually can like i'm sure they could do it but not the same like he's been doing this visual stuff yeah. for years so it gives him that um which and obviously he capitalizes on it completely and it gives him that aesthetic which made this film stand out and that's that's ultimately what you want to do at an independent movie level isn't it you want to make something that doesn't look like everything yeah, else and it raises the production value as well immediately so the film doesn't look like a five the blown up tanks and stuff incredible. in the film like they're not they're not yeah, there they're really incredible <laughs> like, when they shot it it's just a bunch of like mexican builders like building a house and he just puts you can tell because there's just that tiny like cgi sort of glint to them but it's totally forgivable because i don't know never... then you realize he's in his pajamas drinking coffee <laughs> yeah, exactly in his it makes it just more impressive yeah let's chat rogue one briefly because Rogue One is the best Star Wars film, I think. For me, for my money, yeah. The most recent one, yeah. And I feel like it went down pretty well with a lot made, of people. It made over a billion, and it, it is regarded as one of the best. In the... It's just got it's got that like gritty aesthetic to it that Monsters had that I think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes it different from the polishedness of the prequels, and it kind of extends the grittiness of the older Star Wars films, but kind of updates them in a way that I don't think yeah. the trilogy that disney ended up doing was necessarily going for anyway so it kind of filled that hot that void yeah this was the it felt for a few reasons now this felt like the the film to kind of satisfy the older generations because so it had like uh general taff morph i've got his name but basically a couple oh yeah the, the from the first the, movies from the first movie yeah yeah, yeah. so from way back when also this was for the taste of a mature audience, a more mature one, because you have, yeah. from the beginning of the film, you have Ben Mendelsohn's character at Mids, Mids, Mads Mikkelsen. Those two characters in this kind of like, on, uh, on the planet that is kind of full of veg vegetation and stuff, but it's it, the tone and feel of that is instantly smaller scale and kind of like broader strokes in a sense of like, you guys you guys can kind of go head toe to toe if, you, if if the scene calls for it so mm. um it didn't bother pulling any punches especially with the last scene with like darth vader that that was just a massacre there and that was the editor's idea wasn't it yeah right? yeah, yeah to literally link it to the new hope really like the approach again of uh, a documentary filmmaker kind of documentary 
aesthetic to it. And he kind of brought that 360 shooting style to Star Wars, which just like you were saying, makes it feel a bit more boots on the ground. Just makes it feel, a, it makes you, it, it just hit that updated yeah. filmmaking yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of gritty way of doing stuff. That film, for for the reasons mentioned, it just felt a much better. Also, no fucking Jedi, uh, no None of that lightsaber shit. No Jedi's. Yeah, it was, it was interesting, and and obviously I liked all it. the character. Spoiler for Rogue One, um, but all the characters dying at the end felt that was a solid move. Just such a solid move. Yeah, really great move. We should talk about Godzilla, which is 24- which was his film after Monsters. Monsters. Yeah, so it was a 2014 release. I think. I mean, the skydiving scene in that so film good. Yeah. was so good. Yeah, and once again, it did have that aesthetic of like just kind of documenting what you're seeing in a sense, because all the action, besides the skydiving action, is kind of taken underground. So like yeah, the Hawaii, absolutely. Hawaii meltdown, where he, he kind of met, because it emerges in Hawaii, and yeah, everyone's kind yeah, of running yeah. away from it. It has this like kind of moving with the action. So camera on your shoulder kind of stuff. It doesn't have the approach of like, if you go back to, I think, what was it, Roland Emmerich, who made the... Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the previous one, yeah. That one had this poly- polished Hollywood version where it's just like big action. I liked the film. I can't say I loved it. Yeah. It's interesting how Rogue One really stands out. I know it's got the Star Wars thing going for it, but just the way it's put together feels, I don't know, but but Godzilla is still, a, it's still an achievement of a film. So a lot of people had, had issues with Godzilla because it didn't show much of Godzilla. Like, Every time you see Godzilla, you see it for a bit, and then boom, back to the human story. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like he took the we don't need to show because we haven't got the money yeah. VFX yeah, thing yeah. into this, and it's like no, 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 you got the money, you can show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he's silhouetted against the sky and stuff, that's awesome. And in this, like in this film, uh, Godzilla is massive, absolute beast. I thought I thought like having him as big as a skyscraper was a good idea as well. And just the design of Godzilla was, because he had a lot of input on, on the design of Godzilla, obviously. It, in, instead of looking like a T-Rex, like Roland Emmerich's version did, um, <laughs> this looks much more like a reptile who can stand on two legs. Yeah, yeah. It looks it looks a lot more menacing. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I think the colors of this film, the colors of Godzilla was, was a big thing. I was going to say well. that not a lot of, uh, so like even in, let's say Batman, the, the Matt Reeves Batman, that, that where they dropped, um, the, the suit the bad suit they had yeah. a red going for it yeah red and yeah, black yeah. going that film Godzilla had a lot of that as well like these kind yeah, of noirish colors as well which I, I thought was it has been massively underused in a lot of in a lot of uh, monsters and sci-fi movies um, for example I think yeah in Rogue One for example the uh, the Darth, Darth Vader bit last bit oh that's true yeah the it has red, the same kind of the red color. and black yeah, yeah it was, it's just the lightsaber that lights exactly, the scene exactly yeah so I think like no, it's, it, some colors it's that blue. visual storytelling as well exactly it's, his aesthetic is like so muddy <laughs> it's browns and dark browns and, and greens that kind of just like dominate yeah. every every frame. It's kind of these um, earthy and, tones. Yeah, and then you get these bursts of color, especially in Star Wars. Not just the red at the end, but you get those kind of like LED lights throughout it yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah. burst through the darkness, yeah. which is really interesting. Uh, yeah, that's very true. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, his. I'm not I'm not sure what he's. You said he's going on to do smaller. So obviously, his last two films were massive. So Godzilla and and the Star Wars film, and I think he's um, yeah he's returning to kind of smaller films uh new regency being a smaller smaller i'm excited for that he's probably going to be doing some something with probably a little bit sci-fi even like his first short film did have sci-fi undertones so he didn't you know it's definitely the genre that he wants to work in and i think he's got the he's got the sensibilities and the knowledge to make things that people 
one to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, he's a visual storyteller, and I think in that genre, he works real well because he kind of yeah the way he merges because sci- a lot of sci-fi is is very visual storytelling, isn't it? Yeah, but he also takes the the human approach to it, and that's what because it's not absolutely it's not done as much it's overlooked nowadays um so from his kind of documentary roots he kind of takes these takes the human aspect for it and applies it to a bigger scale like monsters or rogue one or godzilla that is not necessarily his niche but it he breathed new life into a really tired genre really i was gonna say the the this is a bit random but one of the things i loved in monsters talking about the handheld on the boots on the ground kind of thing is a lot of pull focuses Yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot of uh, focusing on something in the background and then pulling focus to them in the foreground. I think that was, it's again, it's just, it's an aesthetic, but it's such a clever way of showing the surrounding environment and then being able to bring it back to the human story quite literally yeah. through focusing. Quick side note on that, because you mentioned the focus bit. So, you know, in Monsters, the scene where they're in a hotel room and he calls his, his son um, oh, on yeah. the phone. So when they filmed it, it was that that in that part of the scene, he was actually calling the office to say that he's going to be back in two days because he's going back to states. Um, <laughs> but because he did the whole, he focused on the TV in the original footage. That TV was just off, and he just photoshopped yeah. the screen in. So he focused on there, uh, so you couldn't see his his mouth move. Because so, it was out of focus. Oh, so you ADR. So he AD, they ADR'd it to make it yeah. this cohesive storyline. That's cool. I like. Yeah, I like that. They're giving you that option in the edit. Yeah, because a lot of the a lot of the scenes they had to ADR lines because they were like the camera was behind them, so you couldn't see their their mouth move. So you could say anything you want. Yeah, because a lot of times they, they were like, "This is just some un- edit. You can't edit this footage together." <laughs> yeah. Basically. To make and actually, a movie out of it. side note on that, when it comes down to indie filmmaking, I just realised that his first short, the forty-eight hour sci-fi film fest, I think it's called Factory Farm. Yeah, yeah. Um, bits of it were filmed at Canary Wharf on the train, and actually, there's a scene in Rogue One that was filmed at Canary <laughs> Wharf in the station because it looks so futuristic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's really interesting that he would go there with his Massive Canon 5D years ago and shoot like a little scene, which, you know, which wouldn't even, you wouldn't even have permission. So you just shoot it. Yeah. yeah. And then to go back with like a bunch of storm. <laughs> it's a great callback. But yeah, I think Factory Farm is definitely a, even a recommend, I'd say. Big time. Even for like people that want to do the 48 London Sci Fi Challenge. I think that's a one to always come back to. Wanted to do that this year, but oh, yeah. who knows? <laughs> Well, it's, it's in April. Yeah. It's, it's 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 this month. So, but it will be moved, I think. Yeah, or um, it might just force people to make it inside indoors. That's true. With a one man one man crew. Yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> the amount of submissions? <laughs> yeah, I know there'd be so many. Yeah. It was all a dream. <laughs> I does does uh does anyone have a a wild theory for this film that they would like to um, share? I have a theory. I think we all do, don't we? I can go first. Mine mine's going to be very short. It's a short one this week for me, purely because uh, it's just a a one thought thing but basically um my one my theory is is that there actually are aliens in south america (laughs) and (laughs) and gareth edwards read an article about this and thought i'm just gonna make this whole (laughs) make this whole story that i'm a vfx guy and (laughs) and just basically exploited it to make his low budget film monsters it was it was all it was all a ruse It was um, all a ruse. You know, he. I've never been to Costa Rica. Who knows if you go there and there's a huge octopus tentacle <laughs> thing in the river. You know, this is not a great... Not a great theory this week for me. Basically, but... your theory is it's real. <laughs> your theory is this isn't a film. 
My theory is they shot 100 hours. Why would you shoot 100 hours of a normal film? These guys saw something. And then he really is a documentary filmmaker. The FBI came in and edited out 98 hours of it. <laughs> they like, redacted all the serious footage. We got uh, 98 hours yeah. of uh, There's no VFX in it whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my, that's my iWOD, which was it was all I a dream. Would. That's my Your iWOD mini. Um, my... <laughs> so mine's not actually that wild this week. I know I usually like go a little bit out beyond the pale because I've been like trying to obsess over this thing that we were just talking about. Like, right? what is it that, that, that the the monsters are after, and like, what is it that they get their energy from, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, so that last scene is really tantalising because you're trying to sort of eliminate the things that beautiful scene. Yeah, yeah beautiful, really, like really beautiful. But you're trying to work out, so why did it go for the screen? And then, but, and then, as you said, like if it's electricity or if it's light, then why did they leave when the screen turns off, but they don't kind of like try and suck light from the electric lights in the, in the petrol station? And similarly, like in the cars, when they attack the cars or the, or the fighter jets, like what is it that they're going for? And I have a theory that it's something to do with cameras. So there's like something to do with like camera lens or, or screen or something like camera footage or whatever that they are attracted to. So that's the screen in the, in the petrol station. It's the, you know, like the night vision goggles that would necessarily like take footage. That's what makes them attack the, the, the US Army car. Um, remember in the in the gorilla sequence where guy one of the gorillas in a, in a different car takes the guy's camera, takes Andrew's camera, and then that's the car that gets hit rather than rather than theirs. So I, I don't know if it's something to do with like cameras or whatever that, that they get their energy from rather than... Electric. It's kind of an interesting theory because it kind of suggests that the media is like perpetuating this myth. There you because, go. There uh, you go. That's exactly what I was driving at. Yep. It was all a critique yeah. of the media. Was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to tie into that, I do like the bit when the gorillas say um, the US Army bombing them is what keeps them aggravated. Yeah. You know, that bit when the planes fly over. I don't know. It's interesting that there would be mm. like the constant talking about it is what perpetuates it. And Interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. I've got one that I wrote when I was drunk. Um, so if that... <laughs> that just helps with this game. <laughs> if it doesn't make sense, bear with. But basically, the guy that commis- uh, that tells the, new- uh, the journalist to get his daughter, the newspaper man, purposely sends his daughter into Mexico. <laughs> and same with the photographer. Uh, to fuel his uh, paper's nationalistic agenda to build a wall um, and that illegals are dangerous. So, which is why they charge, <laughs> they give 50000 for a creature picture and nothing for a happy child. On top of that, he gives a personal <laughs> account to the paper about his distressed daughter being threatened by illegals, the aliens, further, furthering his agenda into building that wall and charging bigger prices for the ferries to enter America because he has stocks in ferries going from Mexico into America. Nice. That's your theory, right? Yeah, that's that's my great. Theory. <laughs> Actually, that, that raises a question for me. Do we ever find because do we ever find out what happened to our arm? Because at the, in the beginning, it seems like it's from the accident, but actually the accident is at the end. So how does she well, hurt her arm? Um, well, no, the dad break, no. broke it. <laughs> Get over to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was from the hotel because there was like an uh, earthquake or something. That's what I thought uh, happened. I was with you. I was like, okay, Okay, then when you said the ferry prices, I was like, there you go. There's, <laughs> There's the wild bit. There's your theory. Because five grand to go on a ferry. It is mad. And you also might not make it. Like they say, it's the safest way, but you still might not make it. You still don't mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine is um, the main girl in it. Actually, um, she is actually rich and stuff. And she basically wanted to go into Westworld and enjoy herself. <laughs> 
um, but she went into the wrong one <laughs> and went into Monster World. Um, so basically, all the all the monsters and characters are robots, and she's just trying to get her way out. But she's got to kind of play the game. She's got to, she's got to Brilliant. do Scoot's storyline. So she's real. Everyone, everything else <laughs> is did. a robot. I had a theory Monster that World. I almost went with, which was from based off the new Spider-Man movie about how the villain played by Jake Gyllenhaal is a VFX artist <laughs> who makes this VFX to make Fucking it... Matter. They truly are VFX. <laughs> yeah. Gareth is Jurassic in the background Park. being like, on After Effects, na, just na, like... Na, na. <laughs> um, what, another question that this raised for me, actually, is where, why the fuck is air travel not a thing in this world? Like, why can't they just fucking fly straight over the problem? Because monsters. They're all like, God, we need to go on a ferry, or we need to die trying to get through the land route. And it's like, you could just get on a, a, get on a plane in Chile. Classic, classic Lord of the Rings uh, conundrum. Wow. Why don't they so just fly thought, the ring with the eagles? Well, the reason for that, I thought the reason for that is uh, purely to kind of mimic um, how illegals kind of travel into America. They don't take the plane. They either take the ferry or they take the fucking ground <laughs> They try to yeah, but that doesn't really explain why they don't exist. It's just a convenient only, filmmaking. I suppose, but they only... Because uh, you see a bunch of jets flying around, so it exists, but not for purposes of tra- travelling. Is it? Is it because it's a war zone and there's just like plane like jets yeah. flying close around the air so travel, close the airspace on a rewatch with a keen ear for that there probably would be a piece of news yeah. somewhere explaining there's, a, that. there's a lot of like off the cuff like news things that he kind of puts in there the sequel is just like two people getting on a plane <laughs> just like <laughs> landing at Luton Airport just having a burger <laughs> king in, like, the, in the waiting room it's just called what what monsters? <laughs> All right, this is good. I feel like this is a this is a liked film by the pod. It's one of these films that I don't think we'll do another film like it. Really, it's one of those ep- episodes where I feel like it's a film that. Could you say that that a such film exists? That kind of like indie documentary, almost with with a high concept VFX yeah, yeah, yeah. to it. I can't I can't think of yeah, any. Yeah, I, I can't. And I, in a way, like if even if I could, I couldn't think of any that were as you know good that I'd actually want to sit and watch. Yeah. That's one of the things that made this film so good was that it was actually entertaining. They didn't, you didn't forget to make it entertaining, which is, I think, is a very easy yeah. thing to do at this level of filmmaking. Kind of self-indulgent. You take on so many jobs yourself, mm. you know, that you forget to be the audience and to think, what would I want to find that's interesting? And I think it, it's smart that he thought of that. It's just, it's a smart move to think like, what would I want to watch and how would I want to make I it? I th- think it's funny how like um, that when people will watch when they do watch this film is uh there is no costume department here there is no makeup department here this is these guys just on the road traveling yeah <laughs> i think that gets forgotten about because you know it's in your subconscious because you apply it to every film but here there really is nothing here it makes you just want to go traveling and take and like take a camera <laughs> be like Let, let's make an amazing film did you notice when they were the more the longer they went through the film the more dirty their faces yeah. got yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that would have to have been thought about in some way. Like when they were sleeping at the Mayan temple yeah. place, that that his face and well both their faces, but his face especially was covered in dirt. Mm. That stuff is very easy to forget when you're thinking about how am I gonna VFX a fucking wall behind the I'm gonna get head. lunch today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm on a fucking fucking temple. How am I gonna get lunch? <laughs> Cool, this is a strong recommend then. Strong, yeah, strong, strong recommend. Show. Okay, so should we move on to short of the week? Lou, have you got I time? I might have to duck out. My analysis of the short of the week is um, 10 sparrows. <laughs> nice. I forgot what, the, what that means. Nice. It means that he found it very hard to watch. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. <laughs> the short of the week this week is called I'm Dead by Dan Sully. We're going to give it away by talking about it. What, what did you guys think of this film? Without saying that, I, I just plain didn't like it. No, it's, it's more of a thing like, 
the story I, I felt like it was a little too long it comes in clocks in at about eight eight nine minutes or so um around a gag that's yeah. really takes less than a minute i don't know there was there was literally it didn't feel like there was payoff to it that's so interesting i i i, I kind of feel the opposite i feel like i liked how there was this constant rug pull and then another rug pull right, right, another right. Rug pull. i don't know i i liked the unusual tone and setup of it it felt it felt different to to other things yeah, I've seen. Fair enough. Um, but I do I do get you in terms of the length, the length for sure. I mean, Sparrow, what did you think? No, I got quite actually. I surprised now. I quite enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I do agree with Benner's point that it probably could have been done in like three or four minutes instead of eight. Um, because it is the same jape. It's like, oh, I was faking it. But no, it's good. The the grandma. I don't know whose grandma it is. The old yeah, lady. the older, yeah, the older yeah. woman. Yeah. She obviously yeah. the last bit is her kind of waking up essentially. Yeah, but it's like okay, cool. But you kind of know that she's she's still alive because she was faking it from the beginning. <laughs> did you get? Did you guess that? Did you guess that? Even he, you fall for it again? Yeah. I, oh, even she when did she's it in again? the body, even when he yeah. put her in the body bag. I, I was like, she's alive. But how do you know? What gave that away? The fact that you just wouldn't die that quick in a body bag. <laughs> It's just a little common sense was applied. <laughs> yeah, suspended disbelief. Um, so yeah, the, the whole tension there just what didn't exist for me. I thought in sharing this that this would be quite a strong pod <laughs> recommend, but it feels like there's a it feels like there's a split. And Louis Louis saying that it was ten sparrows is only uh, indicative of the fact that he didn't find yeah. it a good watch. But, but I feel like the guy. I feel that like it did have something to it. Like I think the guy probably has got like I, mean, I don't know how many other he's films done he's done, done but I reckon short. he's got some substance. Yeah, I reckon he's got he's done some other good stuff. I mean, like I said, I think it's okay. But um, it played at BFI Film Festival shorts category, and I, I think Dan Sully, if I'm right, has made other shorts, other a lot of other shorts that have been well received by. Yeah. Like I said, I liked it to the point of um of so he finds out that this this lady's dead and how's he going to have to deal with it so i was like oh cool this is getting somewhere but then uh so the first time like it's a gag then i was like oh well okay then everything here is going to be a gag now it's a comedy it's no longer a mystery anymore okay so you you went in thinking it would you be kind of yeah, one thing yeah yeah unless unless they twist but no but there was always the chance that they could the first time could be a gag and then the second time could have been like an accidental yeah, that's, that's, that's what my that's where my head was going like there, that's for me i think well it's interesting you say that for me i always i was always on that this is a mystery, like even though it ended up being yeah. a gag. No, I kind of got the fact that it's going to be like a, a comedic one uh, pretty much after that first one. Uh, but I did like it up to that point. I'll, I'll say this though, like it was it was done really well. Well, very yeah. well shot exactly. and put together. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Uh, Acting was, was yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all that's well. there. It's just like, it feel like it's a little tad too long. It was just mishandling of, con- uh, of tone. What do you think about, it kind of felt a bit Black Mirror-y when the TV Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like that, I like it. And yeah, then, yeah. And then it kind of turned into a silly thing and I was like, ah. It's a, it's a recommend from me for I'm Dead. <laughs> I think it's a recommend from Sparrow. Yeah, Dennis, yeah, I think is a, is a, if you yeah. want to. If, um, all right, you guys, what, what have you guys got ne- planned for the next week of quarantine? Uh, watch, yeah, watch, watch more movies. I've got that list from you and there's also just like a shit ton of my own list I'm kind of working through. There's a cool series whilst you guys are here um, on Amazon recently came out uh, Tales from the Loop and it's got it's all based on paintings I think from this uh, Scandinavian dude I forgot his name um, nice. but yeah and they're kind of like sci-fi it's a bit like Westworld in a sense um, but it's, mm. it looks really cool and it's on Amazon Prime now so Tales yeah, from the Loop real cool we're going to try next episode to see if we can try and get Dylan back on the pod for a remote 
a remote one from oh, New yeah. York. Everyone stay safe. Stay Watch indoors. Alright, so it's bye from me. Bye from Dennis. See you guys. Bye from Sparrow. Adios. Stay safe, everyone.